we've been in this series, uh, City on a Hill, for the last probably seven weeks. And I wanted us to, 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 to circle back around. I wanted us to, some degree, come back to um, the very beginning. Pastor Mike launched this series. And in verses 13 through 16, Jesus is telling the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He says, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then he says, you are the light of the world, and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so, to some degree, when we launched this series, the pastor Mike, what we learned was that God has called us, and God has commissioned us to be a people that truly have an impact on the world in which we live. But what we're learning through the Sermon on the Mount is that God's calling is much more than what we do. It's really foundationally about who we are. It's about who God is making us to be individually as as the people or as a as a follower of Christ, but then also corporately as the people of God. Now in the series, you might be thinking, man, a city on a hill? Salt and light? I mean, are you kidding? And, and look at some of the areas that we talked about. We talked about anger and lust. Uh, we talked about generosity. Uh, we talked about retaliation, right? When someone wrongs you, like if someone smacks you in the face, you turn the other cheek. And, and if someone asks for your cloak, you do what? Come on, guys. Man, I know that was Mike's week, bro. What happened, right? <laughs> I just... Uh, you go the second mile, or I'm totally just, yeah, I don't remember what I talked about last week. Um, so, to some degree, we're thinking, man, like, I get, I'm still getting angry, man. Some of you this morning are like, man, I, I'm still struggling with my thought life and, and wanting things that God hasn't given to me or, or designed for me. And, and, and you, and ultimately Jesus is calling me to make an impact. How could I ever be a city on a hill? How could I ever make an impact? How could God ever use me to impact others in a positive way when I have so much garbage and when I have so much baggage in my life and I'm just struggling to keep my head above water? I want you to remember this, and and you might write this down today, but remember this. We're a people in progress. I think sometimes, man, we could be really hard on ourselves. I think sometimes when we begin to compare ourselves to other people and we look at how far along that it appears that they have come. And listen, no one has a bad day on Instagram or Facebook, right? No one's posting for the most part the flat tire they got or uh, the divorce they're going through or the fact that their husband left them or their spouse went out and ran up 10000 on the credit card. And uh, that's some crazy stuff. But you're not seeing that posted on social media. But what we do is we see those things. And then we have a tendency to compare our lives to that and say, well, I'm not getting what they have, or I'm not as far along as they are. And that's what makes us unique to some degree as a city on a hill. I mean, really, to some degree, what what gives us a platform for ministry and what gives us a platform to make an impact is our story. It's the fact that we do struggle with anger. It's the reality that we struggle with lust or that we struggle with wanting to retaliate, uh, you know, uh, when someone hurts us or betrays us or someone gossips about us. And in the beginning of this conversation, what we find is Jesus making it very clear that he came not to put us into more bondage, but he came to free us from the struggles that have plagued us for so long. 
Jesus said in another passage in the New Testament, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give you life abundantly. I've come to allow you to live life to the fullest. Now, this morning, you may think, man, being a Christian is kind of a weight. There's a lot of weight that's involved in being a Christian. And Jesus said, all that are weary can come unto me. All you that have a a yoke of bondage can come unto me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus makes it very clear that he came to free us up and not put us into more bondage. And and, and you may feel like this morning, man, this is such a struggle. If you're like me, I I get very disciplined and very rigid. And I, I tend to try to keep all the rules. Especially when I mess up or I color outside the lines or when I fall uh, in an area that I'm attempting to be more like Christ in. Uh, I step outside the rule book and when I do that, I feel this crushing sense of failure. Do you ever feel that way? Man, you're trying to focus in and dial into a a certain area of life. It might be anger or lust or uh, it it might be... um, uh, one of the uh, generosity it might be one of the areas that we've talked about over the last several weeks, and you're just trying to dial into that area, and you know, you know it's tripping you up, and you know it's a struggle, and then and then you do good for a couple months, and then all of a sudden, bam, you fall flat on your face, and you feel this crushing weight, this sense of failure, like I'm never going to measure up to who God wants me to be. So why do I even try? Why do I even try? And that's your, and if that's your story this morning. You may feel like this whole Jesus thing is just another burden. It's just another weight. And there's no way you can live up to all the rules in the book. And and you may very well feel that way this morning, especially if you came from a very religious background. And and when I say religious, I'm not talking about you came from a Catholic background or Presbyterian or Lutheran or or even Baptist or non-denom. What I'm saying to you this morning, if you come from a religious background, growing up, many of us, Learn that if we were going to find uh, merit with God or favor with God, or if we were going to be in good standing with God, we had to keep all the rules. Are you guys with me? Now, here's the big idea today, and that's this. A religion without a relationship is just a bunch of rules. A religion without a relationship is just a bunch of rules. And ultimately, in these verses that Pastor Mike read this morning, Jesus is explaining to his disciples. He says, look, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Now, what he's saying is, is he's not he's not saying to them, listen, unless you can live up to the righteousness of the Pharisees, then you'll get into heaven. But what he's creating is a is a word picture. And he's saying, listen, in your day, the Pharisees appear to be the most righteous people that there are. And unless you can live up to their righteousness, you'll never find your way into the kingdom. And ultimately, at the end of the day, none of us can live up to all the rules. And that's kind of the point that Jesus was trying to make. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not calling you into this thing uh, of being a Christian so that you can keep all of the rules. I'm calling you into this because I want a relationship with you. I already know you can't keep the rules. I already know you're broken. I already know you're messed up. I already know all your hidden sins. I already know the struggles in your life. And I'm not calling you into this because I think you're a good rule keeper. I'm calling you into this because, as we sang, uh, and Pastor John and the team led us this morning, I'm a good, good father. 
That's what he's calling us into today. There's nothing life-giving. There's nothing transforming about people or us just keeping the rules. There's nothing life-giving about that. Check, check. Hey, I'm, I'm fired up. I kept all the rules. There's nothing that energizes us in us keeping the rules. It's only when you know and follow and desire Jesus and you pursue him that transformation ultimately happens. Are you guys with me today? I can keep all the rules I want, but it doesn't change who I am on the inside. I can check off all the rule boxes and I can do all the right things, but keeping the rules does not fix what is broken in my heart. Keeping all the rules does not help me or allow me to feel that sense of peace and satisfaction that is only found in knowing Jesus Christ. Now in the Bible, there were 613 commands. You've heard me talk about this. 365 negative thou shalt nots, 248 positive thou shalts, and they judged how they were doing with God by how well they obeyed the rules. And Jesus essentially is blowing up this particular teaching. So listen, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, the rules will replace what God desires, and that's this, a relationship with him. I'm not down on rules, and Jesus is not saying here, hey, go break the rules. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, let's not invert this, because my love for you is not conditional on how well you do. My love for you is based on who I am. I'm a loving father. And so we understand this morning that the foundation of our faith is grace, not our good works. It's faith, or I'm sorry, grace, not our good works. And so I want you to understand this morning that maturity in the kingdom of God doesn't terminate on a knowledge of the scriptures, but with the likeness to Jesus Christ. And so often, right, so often we can have a vast knowledge of the word of God, but we're kind of posers at being a friend with Jesus Christ. We're kind, of, we're kind of lousy at just walking with Christ. We're kind of lousy at just pursuing him and walking with him. And Jesus wants us to follow him so closely that our values transcend the world we live and we elevate a kingdom that is coming. And so ultimately, that's what it means to be salt and light. To be so close to Jesus, to know Jesus so well, that the things that I value begin to transcend the values of this world and the, and, the, and, the, and the notoriety that this world offers, all of that becomes useless dung, as Paul would say, in order that we might know Christ and elevate the kingdom that is coming. That's what it means to be salt and light. But God's law, the rules, reminds us, man, that we're broken. It reminds us that we're, we're failures at life. We're failures at religion. We're, we're failures at, at trying to, to please God. It reminds us that we're needy. It reminds us that we're messed up. And it reminds us that if we're ever going to be right, and if we're going to see transfer, for transformation, it will not be by keeping the rules because it's utterly insufficient. And what Jesus is providing for you and me is a refuge that's found only in him. That's what Jesus is offering us today. So this morning we want to consider this because pursuing Jesus will produce a transformed life. Not rules, not religion, and not rigidness. 
And so here's the first thought today. Rules without a relationship is just religion. That's the big idea. That's what we want to talk about. Sadly, many people, like those in Jesus' day, are trapped in religion. And I want to tell you this morning, religion can do nothing for you. It cannot save you, and it cannot sanctify your heart. And so that's the first thought this morning. I want you to think about that today. The fact that rule-keeping, it cannot save you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. I think it's in your notes this morning. It says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, go back to John or Matthew chapter 5. And in verse 18, he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota nor a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What are you talking about? What he's saying is, is he's like, listen, you can't keep the rules. But guess who can? I can keep the rules. And so Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was born onto this sorry, sinful planet, and he lived a righteous, perfect life. He lived the life that you and I could not live. He kept all the rules that we could not keep. And the Bible teaches us that he was tempted in all points, like as we were, but he did not sin. That's the, that's the win today. Jesus became for us what we could not become on our own. And then the Bible goes on to say later on that um, uh, the Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And so what that means is, is that on the day that Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary and that moment when Jesus took the the, the whippings and he they pulled out his beard and they put a crown of thorns on his he- on his head and they nailed his hands and feet to the cross and they pierced his side with a spear and he hung on the cross and in the moments that he said my god my god why have you forsaken me in that moment Jesus Christ God's son took on himself my sin and your sin he took on every dirty thought he took on uh, every bitter moment. He took on every gossiping word. He, he took on every malicious intent. Every single thing that you and I have struggled with and every single thing that we have failed in, Jesus Christ took it on himself so that we didn't have to take it on ourselves. And what happened was, listen, on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled that. So every righteous thing that needed to be accomplished in order for God's wrath to be uh, sufficiently satisfied, Jesus took care of that for us. Now listen, God did not dismiss the sin. Are you with me? If someone murdered someone and they went to trial or, and, and they got off scot-free, right? There would be riots in the street because the sin had not been paid for. The, the action of the offender had not been dealt with, are you with me, judiciously. We can't sweep sinfulness and we can't sweep wrongdoings under the rug. They have to be accounted for. And my friends, every wicked thing that I've ever done and every wicked thing that you've ever done was accounted for when Jesus Christ hung on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so religion can't save you. 
But a relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes everything. The center of the Christian message is not that God needs something from you, but that you need something from him. He doesn't need, he doesn't have any needs, and he's not looking for you or me to supply those needs because he doesn't have them. And the gospel message is that we have a need that only he can supply, and that's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so the moment you put your faith in him, his righteousness, are you with me? Now becomes your righteousness. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, you might jot this down and read it later. John is writing. And he's writing in a very paternal, uh, fatherly type way. And he says, my little children, these things write I unto you, that if any man sin, and he's just assuming that we're going to sin. He's assuming that we're going to fail and struggle in the Christian life. And he goes, look, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And an advocate is is an attorney. It's one who speaks on behalf of another party. And he says, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, if we have an advocate, then we also have what? Help me out. If, if someone's advocating for me, what do I have on the other side of the uh, courtroom? I have an accuser. And the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. And so the Bible says this. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. And so every single day, Satan is in heaven accusing the brethren. That's what the Bible says that he does. Hey, did you see what Jason did this week? Hey, did you see what Pastor John did this week? Did you see what Pastor Mike did this week? Did you see what? They, I mean, I can't believe that they, they did. And God says, it is paid for. It is finished. It is covered by the precious blood of my son, Jesus Christ. I will hear this case no more. So when God looks at you and when he looks at me, He doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And friends, that ought to change everything. It reminds me of the old hymn writer that wrote, Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. And so, rules can't save us, and they surely, listen to this, they can't sanctify us. Trying to keep all the rules are eventually going to crush you. It will discourage you. It may even cause you to give up entirely, because only the grace of Jesus Christ can transform what's, what's wrong inside of me. Only Jesus can repair what is broken. Your efforts to live righteously are not measured, are, I'm sorry, your efforts to live righteously are to be measured by the work of Christ on the cross. Listen, I'm not saying to go out and just break all the rules. All right, you guys with me? Can I get an amen on that? All right? What I'm not saying is this. Hey, God's really good at forgiving And I'm really good at sinning, so we make a great team. You with me? That's not at all what I'm saying. In fact, Paul addressed that in Romans 5.20 when he says, Now the law came to increase the trespass. The law reveals where we go wrong. It shows us our weakness. It shows us the need of Jesus Christ in our life. But then he goes on, he says, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And the word in the Greek language says, It's super abounding. So the more you fail, and the more you sin, and the more you struggle, the more of God's grace you get to experience in your life. But then he says this in the next chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And that's Paul being like Pastor Jason, a bit sarcastic, right? It's a spiritual gift. Not, not everyone gets it, right? But he's like, you fool. That's not at all what I'm saying. 
That's what Paul's communicating to us here. It's foolishness. Grace and the work of Jesus will transform our hearts into a people that God is, that he has ultimately called us to be. So when we sin and we fail at keeping the rules, listen, we can look to the one who kept them for us and paid for our redemption by his own blood. We can look to him. That's the kind of love that transforms. In fact, in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, For the grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. And so, listen, listen. When we look, the Bible says, For the grace of God has appeared to all men. You know what that means? That means that Jesus Christ, the picture, the epitome, and the foundation of grace, He appeared. He came to this sin-sick world and he set us free by his own blood so when we look at him and we see his face and when we enjoy his presence and we walk with him in the struggle listen that's the kind of obedience that he is looking for not just keeping the rules so that we can earn more favor or a better standing with god but jesus transforms the sinners transforms the sinner not the rules that we keep or we don't keep So I want to encourage you today to do a couple things. Number one is this, renew a pursuit of Jesus, not rule keeping. Renew a pursuit of Jesus, not rule keeping. Listen, God's not after just after obedience. Are you guys with me? God just doesn't want you just to obey, right? I don't don't want my kids to obey me because they're afraid that I might crack them if they do wrong, right? I mean, fear can be a motivator. You guys with me? And there's sometimes I I scare my kids uh, because I I need behavior modification, right? But let's flip the coin. Let's just say um, today is Father's Day, and my wife comes up, and and, uh, she makes me, uh, today I ask for for a special meal. Say, hey, will you make this meal for me? And then she makes this meal, she brings it, and she sets it on the table, and she goes, here's your meal. I said, well, man, thank you very much. What motivated you to do this? Well, you're my husband, and I have to, and it's Father's Day. But she did what she was supposed to do. Are you with me? But the affection for the person wasn't there. That changes everything. And so a relationship to Jesus, listen to this. A relationship to Jesus fuels our obedience to him. It fuels it. The greatest weapon we have against sin in our life that we face is a personal and passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. These men, right, the Pharisees and the religious lead of the day, they were experts at the law, but they were novices in their relationship with Jesus Christ. They were novices. They didn't really know Jesus. They didn't know his love, and they didn't know his grace, and they didn't know his mercy and his kindness. They didn't know the joy of walking with him and fellowshipping with him and communing with him so ultimately what i believe that what god is calling me and what he is calling you to do is renew a pursuit not to keep the rules because you can't but to walk with him and know him and love him and enjoy who he is and what he's done on your behalf and if you're a follower of jesus you'll have a desire to do what is right you will have a desire to be salt and light and reflect the character of jesus but i'm going to tell you if you're like me often you're going to fall short. And instead of getting frustrated, and instead of giving up, just commit to understanding 
that your relationship to Jesus is not based on your performance, but on his performance, what he did. He kept the law. He died for sins. He paid the debt that you and I couldn't pay. So when we struggle and when we fail, listen, we look to the one who kept the rules for us. He imputed his righteousness unto us. And so our grace now uh, uh, can replace the guilt that we feel in our life. And, and we can quote Romans 8.1 powerfully in a way that ultimately transformed who we are in this. Therefore, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so listen, people can come up to me and they can be like, hey man, I can't believe you got an attitude problem. Or hey man, I can't believe that, that you act this way. Or I can't believe that you did this. And I'm like, why can't you believe that? I'm a broken sinner that puts my pants on the same way you do. I drive down 294, and I want to tell people they're number one just as much as every one of you do, just because I'm a pastor. doesn't change that. I lose my mind at my kids. When my wife slammed the breakfast on the table. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that up. I'm just kidding. She didn't. I went to McDonald's. I'm just messing, right? We'll see how the afternoon goes. Look, man, we're all broken, man. And when people, and we're going to learn about this in a moment, but there's a freedom in knowing that. You can take the weight off of your shoulders and know, man, we are sinners on a pilgrimage struggling to know, love, and follow Jesus and to obey his law, which is to love him and to love others. That's the rule of the law. That's what Jesus came to replace. So when you lose it this week, or you click on something you shouldn't, or you drink too much, or you gossip, or you harbor bitterness. Listen, I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Lean into the grace that is found in knowing Jesus because he delights He delights in and he loves his children. And then I want you to understand, when we renew that pursuit, it renews us. You guys with me? It renews us. And renewal will result when you pursue Jesus. Now, if you want to start over and impact others to live life to the full, then pursue Jesus. And listen, I want to tell you this morning, there are some of you in this room that you're, you're holding back. God could truly use your life in significant and supernatural ways, but you're holding back. Some of you are holding back because you're, you're financially strapped and you've made some poor decisions financially. Some of you have gotten a divorce and some of you have had uh, children uh, out of wedlock and you're not married and you just know like, man, that's my story. Some of you have, have had adulterous relationships and, and, and have ruined your marriage and some of you have ruined your kids and, and I, I can go on and on. I mean, there's a list and a litany of things that, that we could all in this room today identify with. Are you guys with me? Can we just be honest? We, we're a broken people. I mean, there's some, some really jacked up people in this church. Man, Wes is amen, and he's got it. He's like, I'm. Of course, you look at his parents, and you get it. You know, I'm just happy Father's Day. I'm kidding. I love Mike. He's he's the father I never had. Right. But can we just be honest? Can we? We're all we're all messed up. But that brokenness can actually be redemptive in the ministry and the platform that God wants to give us in order to impact other people for the kingdom of God. God God wants to do that. And your story, your struggle with sin, isn't something you need to be ashamed of. It's something that 
you can have redeemed by the grace of God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you begin to realize that you're broken and everyone around you is broken, you begin to realize that, hey, you know what, I can share my story. And I can tell other people about where I've messed up. And I can tell them how Christ stepped into my life. And in, in that moment, it changed everything. And, 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 and while I thought I was without hope, he came in and he gave me hope. And he renewed my purpose. And he changed everything. And when all hope was lost, I found a way forward when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. So renewal results when you pursue Jesus. Sometimes you just want to quit. Sometimes I do, man. I mean, I got up to the pulpit today and I'm sitting on the front row and I just, Spurgeon used to pray this as he would walk the steps to the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he said, every Sunday before he mounted the pulpit, he would say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's, I'm nothing more than a sinner. I'm a saint in part because of what Christ did for me. But I know the weakness of my flesh. I know the anger in my heart. I know the lust and the covetousness that, that has found its way to embed itself into my life and into my heart. I know the struggles that I have. And I, I know that there are times where I wish I could be a better dad. There are times where I wish I could be a better follower of Christ. I, I wish I could be a better husband, a better friend. I, I wish that I wasn't so aggressive. And, and I could go on and on and on about the, the things that I am self-aware about, the things that I know. I don't even, and all the stuff you guys know that you don't tell me, you know, I, there's that stuff too, right? And I, I just, I wish I could be, I wish I could be better. And I can find in those moments a profound sadness and loneliness that can be crushing. You guys with me? Now let's go back to the beginning. You want to compound that sadness? You want to profound or, or compound that, that hopelessness? Get back on social media and start looking at how perfect everyone else's life is or the perceived perfection of their life. And it just makes things worse. Because you might be here today and you're just like, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to do what's right and I just can't seem to do that. And everyone else seems like they got their act together. And, and I don't know about you, but I just, I don't, I don't feel that way. But I'll tell you this, when I get alone with God, and I crawl up into his lap and I let him wrap his arms around me like a good father would, it makes all the difference in the world. Because I realize that there's nothing that this world offers that can truly satisfy my soul like a relationship with Jesus Christ. I realize there's a brokenness in my life that can never be repaired by anything except for a relationship with Jesus Christ. I recognize that everything that my soul is searching for is found in Jesus Christ. And I recognize that if I'm truly going to be who God wants me to be and who God, is going to, who God has called me to be, it only occurs as a byproduct of my relationship with Jesus Christ. But I get it. Sometimes you want to quit. And you think, man, what's the use? And so you feel desperate and you fall deeper and deeper into sin. And I just want you to understand, Christ came to have a relationship with you, not to give you more rules. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. I think the King James says it this way. I, most of the scripture I know is old school. So it's like this. 
the just man falls seven times. The, the, the idea behind that is this. He's just only because he gets back up. He just keeps moving forward. And friends, I want to tell you today, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So at the point of failure, and maybe you're there today, you need to lean into the life-giving, loving relationship Jesus offers to those who follow him. Lean into that. Seek him personally. You know, I think today, for many of you, would be a good day to start over. It'd be a good day to, to come and say, God, I need to be renewed. I need to renew my relationship with you. And I, I, need, I need, from the inside out, I need something more than what I'm getting out of this life. And I'm chasing after things that leave me more hopeless and more broken and more lonely than anything that you've offered to me in yourself. So this morning, can I ask you to just stop playing the game? Stop trying to keep all the rules because you can't. But this means that you need to be honest about your sin. Stop with the, with the veneer, right, that you've got it all together. But what this means is that you can own your brokenness. It means that it's okay. It's truly, it's truly okay not to be okay. It's truly okay. It means that you're in a process Jesus is bringing about new life in your heart. This means that you don't have to cover your sin, your failures. It means that you don't, have to, you don't have to hide from your past. You don't have to hide from that. You don't have to hide from that adulterous relationship. You don't have to, you don't have to hide from that, that betrayal. You don't have to hide from the divorce. You don't have to hide from how you messed up your kids. You don't, you don't have to hide from any of that, right? Because it's already been exposed in the reality That Christ had to die for your sin and your brokenness and your failure. And yet, you are loved, you are accepted, and you are delighted in by a Father whose love is so immense, you can't even measure it. It means that you can fail. And it means that you can continue to move forward. And you don't have to take ten steps back in order to move forward. It, it, It doesn't mean any of that. No one should be surprised by your failures, your struggles, or your setbacks. Some of you, some of you, and I'm one of those, have really messed some things up in your life. Some of you have done that. And you feel shame. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, you don't have to feel shame. You, you don't have to feel that, that guilt. And if you feel the guilt, it's because God wants you to know His grace. He wants things to be right between you and him so that you can experience what forgiveness really is through his son, Jesus Christ. Christ came to heal the broken and restore the fallen. This is the power of the gospel, and it's this. You know what it is? It's a second chance. It's a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance, and it's on and on we could go. So when Christ said, I came, look, I came to fulfill the law. And not one thing will, will, will not be fulfilled because I am the fulfillment of that law. So instead of trying to live so righteously on the outside without being transformed on the inside, focus on having a relationship with me and watch how you begin to be fueled, to be obedient to what I've called you to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning.
How many of you could say this morning, you know, Jay, I, I know for certain that I'm a follower of Christ. And I could give testimony of that today by lifting my hand. Would you just very quickly lift your hand this morning? And I know Christ is my Savior. How many of you could say to me this morning, Pastor, I don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. I don't know what it means to be right with God. I don't know what it means to be forgiven of my sin. I don't know if I, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. And that kind of frightens me. And you would just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? I, I don't know any of that. Would you just pray for me? No one's looking around. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. I just want to pray for you if that would, might be your story or testimony today. Anyone at all? Amen. How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, for so long I've been a rule keeper and my relationship with Jesus has suffered in that process and I need you to pray that I wouldn't just keep the rules but that I would truly follow Jesus. Would you just lift your hand this morning? Lift it up. Amen. Hands all over the room. Father in heaven, I just want to say thank you, Lord, that I get the opportunity to pastor the, this church with, with uh, our other pastors. I think there's a genuine sense in our church that we want to obey God. We want to do what's right. Sometimes it's hard. And it's a struggle not to, to, to hate other people. It's hard not to, 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 to want to love them. It's hard to, to be kind difficult to be gentle with folks. It's a struggle to be generous. It's hard sometimes not to lust and to get angry. And yet, God, you've called us to, to be a people that love you and love others. And that's ultimately all that we're talking about. That's the law. And yet, on those two commandments, all the law hang, and yet we still struggle with just those two things. So God, I just pray for our church this morning back fundamentally to seeking you, seeking your face, treasuring you, worshiping you, honoring you, and having an obedience that's fueled by a relationship that's passionate for you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?